Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the Good News, here's Angie. Hey friend, Angie Austin here along with Jim Stovall, author, speaker, movie maker. And we're talking about this week's uh, Winner's Wisdom column as we do each week. And this week it's titled, Why It Matters. Welcome, Jim. Hey, it is always great to visit with you. All right, so let's talk a little about it. this. You, you were, and I mean, I shouldn't say were. You're an athlete. You were uh, in uh, an Olympic, you know, level weight uh, lifter, and uh, you hoped to play professional football before you found out you were losing your eyesight. And so, some of your, um, you know, columns intermingle sports, and this one does as well. Yeah, it does. And uh, and at, at this point in my life, I have no problem with the were an athlete. Um, <laughs> you know, I. You know, I I was uh, talking to a group the other day. And they said, "Well, you were the national weightlifting champion." I said, "Yeah." Now I'm I'm happy to get my luggage in the overhead bin. You know, I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> me too. Oh wait, I want to say it aside. You told me a while back that um, you took some pitching lessons because even blind, you wanted to throw a good pitch uh, for a game. But I, you specifically said to me, "Yeah, if you line me up uh, for a free p- uh, throw uh, on the free point line." Uh, or the free throw line, pardon me, um, you know, I can make a free throw after free throw. And then we were talking to our daughter, who's a basketball player, and the other one who plays volleyball about muscle memory and about having yeah. a routine when you do a free throw and having a routine when you do a serve. And um, I told them that you could do free, you know, that you could hit those. And my husband's like, absolutely. You know, once he gets it lined up and everything, it's just his uh, muscle memory. Right. It's it's a matter of looking at it. It's like playing golf. I, I, I played golf when I was younger and could see, and I can still hit the ball fairly well. I mean, the problem with my golf game is not the fact I'm blind. It's that uh, I don't play enough or practice enough. But uh, Wait, you know, so you still problem, will play golf? Yeah, I'll go out and hit the ball every once in a while with my dad. The, the, the only problem, I mean, the biggest problem most bad golfers have, which I am a bad golfer, is they look up too quick to see where the ball's going. They don't keep their head down. Well, now it's real easy for me not to look where the ball's going. So I, <laughs> I actually, it, it hasn't been that bad. And there, there was a celebrity putting contest several years ago, and uh, a local uh, uh, businessman asked me, is there any way you'd show up? And it, did, it really helped the publicity. And uh, well, I I won the thing, and I you know, and you did. The guys told me, yeah. Several of the guys told me it's it's bad enough to not win, but to get beat by you is uh, really embarrassing. And I'm hoping <laughs> we don't get a lot of press on this, but um, you know, it, it. But it's just a matter of once you know where it is, it's it's right there. I mean, you don't have to see it to, to know it's there. It's like. Uh, <laughs> It's like getting up in the middle of the night to go get a glass of water. You don't have to turn the light on. You know where everything's at. And, um, oh, that cracks me up. Well, I took a, a little sidebar there. But um, all right, so the column is why it matters. And you talk about the World Cup. Yeah, I, I, you know, sports are a big thing to me because it's a microcosm of life. I mean, very rarely do you see success principles played out immediately, you know, within certain parameters, all on a field that you can just sit and watch. So I love sports. And, you know, soccer uh, or football, as they call it everywhere except here in America, is the most popular game in the world. And I've never, never understood that. So with the World, coming up, uh, world Cup coming up recently, Team of 
America was doing very good. I thought, okay, I'm going to break this down and understand it. And a couple of kids at the university that are in my Stovall Center for Entrepreneurship, and you know, are on the college soccer team. So I sat down with them and I read some on it and everything. And okay, I'm ready. And I tune in on the satellite to get the games. And I still, you know, I, I'm. I get a little more of it, but I, I still don't get why people are passionate about that. I mean, uh, compared to American football or baseball or basketball, I mean, you know, here's this hour and a half, two hour long competition, and there's one goal. And, you know, and I just, but, you know, it matters because it matters to those people. And if we're going to succeed either personally or professionally in our lives, Angie, we got to realize the first step in almost any successful venture is it ain't about us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it matters because it matters to other people. And there are things, you know, I don't understand. But I try to repeatedly, you know, read authors, watch movies, try cuisines, listen to music that, you know, is, is, you know, not my favorite in the beginning. And I, I'm one of two things that happens. I either find something new I like, or I meet a new group of people that uh, I like, and I don't happen to uh, share their taste in that. And I, I think it's great to you know, do things differently because it's so easy to get in a routine. We live in a, an amazing, huge world out there. And if you're not careful, you go to the same restaurant, you order the same thing, you drive the same route to the same place every day. And, uh, you know, get out of your rut and uh, do something different. Explore something you've never explored before. And uh, and uh, if you don't like it, you'll at least know something you don't like and, and meet a group of people. I do like trying new things. I I don't know if I told you we went to New Orleans for a volleyball convention for my daughter and we just got back. And I hadn't been there since I was young. And, of course, when I was young, it was more about, you know, Mardi Gras and, you know, the party aspect. But this time I really got into the walking tours and the history and, you know, seeing but also trying new foods. And that's what we tell the waiter, like. You know, I'm not a huge crawfish fan, I didn't think, but we went to this restaurant called Commander's Palace, which is one of the best restaurants in town. I have eaten there, one of the best, probably five restaurants I've ever been in in my life. Isn't it amazing? And then we went to Antoine's, the oldest restaurant, and we went to Emerald's. So we went to like several really good restaurants. Yeah. Anyway, Commander's Palace was the highlight for me, too. Uh, but anyway, they, I said, well, what do you recommend? I'm going to try some things I normally don't try. So I tried things like oysters and appetizers with, you know, crawfish on top of them like a cold Mm -hmm. appetizer and it was the best appetizer I've ever eaten in my life but I was really open to trying new things because I wanted to get a feel for New Orleans and not just have a salad like I normally would have right but I'm also just seeing the city now I don't know if I told you before my father passed away we went on a trip together to Nashville and we went to this plantation and he's sitting there and he stares at me and he goes are you into this stuff I go oh I love it like history he goes are you sure we're related because this is not my cup of tea so with my husband and I'm doing these walking tours, I did like 25,000 steps. And my husband says to me, um, well, first of all, they had 25 cent martinis at Commander's Palace and I'm not a big drinker, but I got one and I gave it to him. But he did his three maximum because you can get three for 25 cents plus That's great. part of mine. So it's like, Jim, it's 81 degrees. He's six foot six, not in the most comfortable shoes. We're dressed up a little bit and I want to walk back to our hotel doing the garden uh, district tour. So th- that's when I realized my husband might not be as adventurous as I am because you have the sidewalks in New Orleans are not good for a blind person like yourself or a four martini person like my husband because they're all uneven with holes everywhere. So about 10 minutes into the tour, I realized this wasn't going to work because he kept 
looking for benches. And I thought, you know, even though I'm, you know, into exploring and seeing new things, like you said in the column, we meet people who have a passion for something that maybe we don't have a passion for. And they want to talk about it at a party forever. Or like everyone was asking me questions about New Orleans because I had learned so much on my walking tours, you know, but not everyone shares our passion. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, but exploring someone else's passion is so much fun. You know, next time you go to the state fair or the county fair or something, go over to the barn and go and look at the cows. Now, to me, all these cows are the same. One cow is about as good as another. I mean, all I want to know, is this cow going to give us milk or steak here? What are we getting from this cow? But there's these little kids from Future Farmers of America that work with each other. This is their deal. And nothing more fun in life than going up to an eight-year-old kid and say, this your cow? Tell me about this cow right Aww. here. And wow, they, it's just unbelievable. They will tell you everything you wanted to know and a lot of stuff you didn't want to know about this cow right here. I, I was fascinated, too, at the last fair I went to. Not the cows, but um, the chickens. Is the, I, I, mean, I chicken is a chicken, I thought. Oh, my gosh. They have so many different kinds of chickens. And some are so fluffy and so beautiful. And then bunnies. They have so many different kinds of bunnies. I had no idea. I thought there were, like, one, two kinds of bunnies. Oh, my gosh. Like, there's every kind of rabbit you can imagine. Every color, every fur length, every ear length. It is just crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would. that's a good idea to start asking people, in particular kids, about, you know, their passion for, uh, you know, the fair and their animals. Yeah, and we all have to realize, okay, we have our own taste or things we like, but, uh, you know, other people do too, and let's understand it. I And, you know, if you're going to succeed in business, you can't just offer products and services that you like. Well, there's a hotel, a Hilton property near our office that my team and I go in and utilize for meetings and things periodically, and they just remodel. They put about three acres of carpet in the lobby and all throughout, and the team agrees it's the ugliest carpet anyone's ever seen. I said, well, let's keep in mind, someone in New York or L.A. or something sat down and looked at hundreds of samples and people that are supposed to know some, they picked this. I mean, somebody likes this carpet or they wouldn't make it, you know. And if you're out shopping for clothes and you see an outfit, I wouldn't get caught dead in that. Well, some designer somewhere thought that was the best thing ever, you know. And <laughs> and so, you you know, you need to explore other things and find out what it is about that people like. And, uh, and you know, and really come to understand that. Go different places, do different things, because uh, that's the beginning of, you know, really reaching out and connecting with people is, you know, the fact that it matters to them. It matters. My wife and I, our big project this year is we're doing, a, you know, a million and a half dollar fundraiser for our local ballet. And she's the chair i'm the co-chair which means shut up and do what crystal said right right and that works out really good for me but you know for a blind guy i mean i don't go to the ballet ballet is a bad symphony to me i'm not going but it matters to me because it matters to her i mean i can see just the reaction one of the greatest afternoons i ever had i went to the louvre in paris and i sat in the gallery right next to where people lined up and went through to see the mona lisa i never have seen nor will i ever see the mona lisa but i experienced the impact it has on people from around the world that traveled thousands of miles to come and see this thing leonardo did 500 years ago and just to experience their experience of it is amazing that's pretty cool. You know, um, you say in the article, if we're going to if we're going to succeed in life, we have to respect people. And uh, when we respect people, we respect the things that matter to them. 
And I think being a journalist, that's one thing when I'm not tired at an event or a gathering or whatever, I like to talk to people and ask them, you know, lots of questions. And generally, there are some things that they're passionate about. It might be their work or it might be their kids sports or whatever. And when I'm gathering like this weekend, I gather with a lot of parents of the athletes. And uh, so, you know, talking to them about their kids and um, this is our first year traveling with them and the other experiences these parents have had. But what I found most interesting was the girls had never traveled together and stayed in the same rooms. They were together for four days and my daughter got home last night and we came home earlier and she said, um, well, there was a lot of drama. And I asked the team mom what that was all about. She said, well, you know, you're in the same room with there's four girls, you know, teenage girls, and they lost a lot this weekend, which is new for them. They're usually winning, but they were against some pretty tough teams in New Orleans. And so you saw how they act under stress and some kids were very critical of each other so you saw a lot of new things uh, come out and overall it bonded my daughter closest uh, closer to the team but one of the girls decided she no longer wanted a leadership role on the team to be like one of the captains after her experience there and the reaction the girls had to her um, criticism let's say uh, so yeah it's a uh, uh, it was just interesting spending that much time with people you really don't know was that uh, 11 girls and their parents. So 22 adults that don't know each other. So lots of as a journalist, I just enjoy learning about other people. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to just try to experience life through the eyes, ears uh, and mind of other people. Just why is it they do this? Why is it about this they like? And um, and it, it's a great way to 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 uh, connect with people and uh, and that's the beginning of everything we want in this life well you know you having written over 60 books and ninth movie now and you know running a, a television network um I, I think a lot of people want to ask you questions, so I think it's pretty cool that you've remained so humble over the years and really open to getting to know other people when, when you meet them. A lot of them want to ask about you, so I think that's pretty cool. We're out of time, jimstovall.com. Always a pleasure, my humble friend. Be well. Christmas shopping is never easy, especially with teenagers, and Arc Thrift knows that. Arc Thrift has recently added electronic gift cards to their website. Now you can easily buy that family member or special person a gift card electronically to thrift away. This gift is perfect for college students or stocking stuffers. Teenagers and young adults don't want to look cookie cutter, meaning they want that unique, one-of-a-kind product that you can only find when thrifting. Arc Thrift also carries gifts that are great for white elephant gifts, gag gifts, and even toys for the little ones. They have a vast variety of products, but for the holiday season, you can find cheaper-than-store brand Christmas lights, indoor and outdoor decorations, and so much more. It is the season of giving, so don't forget to donate those clothes at the back of your closet you never wear to Arc Thrift. Give the gift of thrift by going to arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. Cherry Hills Village is tuned to KLTT Denver.
Angie Austin here with the good news, along with Dr. Cheryl Lentz, academic entrepreneur. And we are talking about leadership and goal setting today because you've had, uh, you've got a lot of students as a, a professor, and then you've had uh, a lot of foreign exchange students come through your doors in the last six months. And so you are working with kids full time, kids as in young people, sorry. And so let's talk about this whole leadership and goal setting that you've been working on them with. Welcome. Good. Hello, everyone. It's really nice to see you. I think this is a really good example for all of us, because all of this really, in my opinion, no matter what someone tells me they're having issues with, whether it's relationships, whether it's stuff at the office, the rest of it all comes down to leadership and goal setting. And most people's like, well, I set goals of what I want to do. It's like, great. But do you set intentions for what you want an exchange to look like? It's the same similar concept of goal setting. When I'm going to have uh, a meeting this afternoon with one of my bosses, I have an intention of here's how I want the meeting to go. Here's the intention. Here's the agenda. Here's that leadership thing that I'm going to prepare for ahead of time rather than the reactive response, which is a, well, I'm going to react in the moment. And students who look at that and understand that they're in control of that choice, because remember, we're, we show up differently, the rest of the world shows up differently. But when I can point to them that no matter what issue that they're having, it comes down to a leadership, whether it's leadership of self or response to leadership in our, our external environment. And you have talked extensively about, you know, the idea of goal setting with your kids and what you want them to do. It's like, great, can we now granularize it, put it into a little bit, let's have a few seconds before we have that exchange with our professor, before we have that exchange with our boss, before we have that exchange for our kids that we have a, well, what do I want to have happen there? And just take a few moments. The conversation goes so differently, Angie, when you have that. And people are like, yeah, it does. I'm like, imagine that. Surprise. <laughs> well, uh, you know, the goal, whole goal setting, I have um, gone over that, you know, with my kids lightly. I don't know that we've really written them down. I think that'd be a good thing for us to talk about tonight during our learning moment. I have a, an alarm that goes off. And some of the things we've taught in the learning moment recently have had to do with, um, we, we, we had a situation where a friend, uh, her husband hasn't worked since 2008, and my husband said uh, to the kids, he was talking about how you want to marry someone who's financially responsible and, you know, an equally hard worker so that you're working together as a team for your future because financial arguments can cause so many problems in marriages and he talked about you know being on the same page and uh, you know compounding interest was one of our talks. Recently, we talked about these kids on Snapchat. There's two. There's a trend um, on social media right now of like the choking game where you choke yourself and get some kind of euphoria and that. But some kids pass out and then they die. And you know my kids all know not to do that. But you have to reiterate these things because it's a fad. But the other one is this whole fentanyl where they think these kids on Snapchat are able to get a, a hold of drugs that maybe they couldn't be you know before easily find before and fentanyl is in so many different you know, goes to china then goes to mexico then comes into our country and apparently the people making money you know in the labs in china they don't care how many americans die and the people making money in mexico don't co care apparently how many people die and so these things are loaded with too much fentanyl accidentally because they're probably mixing it up in a bathtub or something who knows and so many kids are dying i, I just read an article to them about four kids in this high school dying over the course of I don't know how long but the fourth one dying of a fentanyl overdose and they have a friend that took what they thought was a uh, a pill 
uh, you know, uh, I don't know, some kind of opioid. She thought it was like a Valium, I think, or a Xanax. And she is still in a wheelchair about two years later and recovering, like learning how to speak again, et cetera, et cetera. And they did not think she would survive. And so, so do you think we're too trusting these kids are willing to take a pill that they don't know what's in it, that they're just too naive because they've never seen the consequences that we need to go back to the here's your brain on drugs and show them all these situations you're talking about, about what could happen or they just are bulletproof and 10 feet tall? Yes. Well, my kids know all about this, but I brought it up in front of some other high school kids and they seemed completely oblivious. And I talked about your drink. Like there was a girl recently that was... uh, hit okay she was at a bar she was three times the legal limit did someone put something in her drink i don't know she left with four boys between the age of 17 and well the oldest was 28 so 17 18 18 and 28 i think she was you know she was a teenager still not old enough to drink left the bar with them and then there was either there was some kind of a either a sexual assault or consensual sex in the backseat of this car allegedly and then uh, allegedly consensual according to the boys and then they dropped her off and she got hit by an Uber in the middle of the street at 3 a.m. They just dumped her out of the car. So I, I went over that story with my kids and explained about, you know, you drink a bottled water with a lid on it or you never leave your drink in a bar or establishment, you know, as you get older. Well, um, I've had to do this with Dating 101 with being yes. at my age and dating with the same te- things of being able to be cautious and almost paranoid because of not yes and not having the person meet you at your house you meet at a coffee shop or something exactly and it's always a struggling i have a vegas phone number and now i keep it because it's very convenient in the dating world that they couldn't find me because it's a vegas number and i'm in chicago right but it's it's sad that's why i'm looking at the fact that so many people are either not aware of the consequences which is how i do the leadership aspect is we want to be able to look at spinning out the scenario of the what ifs so they can look at the possibilities and how to protect yourself because in the event that you don't put yourself in that situation you wouldn't have to be reacting to it meaning if you're not that drunk in a bar you wouldn't have had that situation not that the girl is ever responsible for what happens to her i'm not that that's not my point but we can increase our odds of good things continuing to happen to us if we can find a way of preventing being our, putting ourselves in that situation to begin with. Well, and our learning moment is, in fact, I included you and some of your foreign exchange students <clears throat> because our learning moment is just common sense stuff that maybe parents don't teach their kids about manners and about, you know, they, they've learned how to do laundry. They have every night a chore list and it's not big. It takes them 15 minutes. One person does the dishes, one the counters and putting the food away and packaging it the other takes care of the pets you know and it rotates and but they have to do those things before they go to bed even if they've had sports you know it's all you know got to be done and why angie because i know this is something i've had an incredible epiphany with teaching and we've known this since Knowles in 1953 is the adult learner and i think even the adolescent learner they just want to know why well you're not making me do the pet and take out the garbage cuz you have to teach the garbage no i'm teaching you self sufficiency so that when you are in your own apartment you know how to keep yourself clean you know how to keep yourself away from disease you know how to be able to do your own laundry so that you don't have to hire somebody and i was just amazed when i went to college how many of the kids weren't prepared to do all of those life skills and mm-hmm. you need that whether you're 12 or 55, you know? Yeah, I love it. 12 or 55. Uh, You know, the... um 
so this learning moment with the goal setting, um, that's what I'm going to do tonight. Oh, but by the way, I did use your foreign exchange students saying that one group of your students did not know how to load a dishwasher, take care of cell phone problems, take care of computer problems, that they were more like an American 12 year old. I won't say which students or where they were from, but that, you know, wiping the counter, uh, being courteous, uh, you know, because they are so wealthy in their own country that maybe they're entitled here and they really don't know how to do the basics of laundry, et cetera, uh, driving, et cetera, and that they're used to having, you know, the chauffeur, the chef, the maid, and that's not the American experience. And so but there um, are some who do have that American experience when it's the same principle. And I don't think that it matters. Miles Law would say it doesn't matter whether you're from India, Japan or from Australia. The self-sufficiency skills in order to perpetuate an independent, self-sufficient adult is what we're looking at. And for some that come from maybe a, a wealthier condition, whether it's in, you know, the upstate New York or if it's in, you know, upstate um, England, for that matter, the same skills apply. A 20-year-old here is a 20-year-old everywhere, and we need to prepare our students and I see so much that my job in the classroom is supposed to prepare them for teaching leadership, for example, but they don't see necessarily of all the other life skills that's part of self-leadership and self-sufficiency and possibly why some of these kids are set up to fail when they're out on their own or they're afraid to be out on their own because their parents may do too much for them. And that may be the hardest part of all is Doing for them out of love may be actually the wrong thing to do is to let them do for themselves so they can do for themselves. That's a good point. So when I discuss goal setting with the kids tonight uh, and leadership, what are some of the things you're teaching your students? I would ask them why. It's like, tell me what the important is. Let's spin this out that I'm not just harping on this. and It's not just Dr. C being on her soapbox. I want them to come to the term of why am I teaching you this? Because especially with my doctoral students, the biggest argument I have is you can't blame me when you're in your oral defense and you're defending your final study. It says, oh, well, Doc C made me do it. No, that will never come up or they'll fail. I want to know why did Doc C ask you to do that? Why did Dr. Smith on the committee ask you to do this? Why did any of your teachers, undergrad, master's, associate degree, it doesn't matter. The question is, is I want the student to know, well, the reason you're asking me this is because you want to be able to prepare me to be self-sufficient so that I can become the independent thinker. Absolutely. Now, why is that a point? And so I go through this whole litany of why, why, why. And they're like, all right, I've got to be able to do this and I have to be able to do this. And when this goes wrong, I have to see it. So I'm training them to help so that they can do instead of me doing for them. And a few of my students, I annoy them because I will say, I'm not going to give you the answer. Of course, I know the answer. I've been teaching 23 years. I'm going to teach you how to find the answer because you need to be able to do that. And the helping hand is the one at the end of your wrist, not mine. Oh, my. Oh, oh my gosh. You and my husband would love each other. I mean, he is. Uh, the king, like, you know, he'll have these millennials coming to work and it's a startup. I mean, they're 10 years in, but it's not like they have an IT department or an HR department, you know? And so let's say there's 12 of them. They'll be like, oh, um, my computer came in, you know, who's going to help? Who's going to set it up? And my, my husband said, you're a millennial. You know how to set up a computer. <laughs> so he said so many people come to him with problems that he used to fix them all, you know? And now I feel like he's tough on our kids sometimes because he'll be like, you know, I need to get the oil 
oil changed and go get everything you need to do an oil change because I'm going to teach you how to change the oil. And I'm like, well, could we tell him like what kind of oil to buy or could we, you know, put it in the cart um, at for Sam's Club? So, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, online app cart. So, um, you know, he can just go pick it up. So, you know, or, you know, like the pan, do we, you know, do we, do, do we get that? Does he get that? And my husband made him get everything. I mean, I ended up buying the oil with my husband because we bought it in bulk because we had like, I don't know, four cars. So um, they were in the garage with the heat on, changing all the oil and learning all that. And he's going to teach the girls and my son how to change a tire. That's the next nice. thing. I love it. Well, yeah. here's what I would recommend is we do something called lecture wrappers. Okay. We're going to teach them the process, but not the final answer. So I'm going to teach them. So if we were talking about cars, my, my response to your husband would be something like this. All right, today, kids, here's what we're going to do is I'm going to be able to show you here's the end result. We're going to be able to teach you how to change your own oil. We're going to be able to teach you how to be able to buy all the products. We're going to teach you how to be able to get everything. So by the time we finish today, you're going to have all the skills you need to have done all of this yourself. So now they get the game. Now you're gonna to have to back up the truck and you as the parents to find out what level of detail are they ready for at their age to know to just say, hey, figure it out. Here's your car, here's the website, here are the things you know and you teach them the parameters. You give them the boundaries, you give them the tools and then you say, here's the end result, go find it. Or you do it with them or you're able to be able to show them. And again, it depends on the student and the maturity. But if you tell them the goal is and you give them the end result, they said, oh, so the reason we're doing this is so when dad's not here, I can do the oil myself. I'm like, you got it. Yes. And, now, you know, when we're at the airport, we're almost out of time. But when we're at the airport, I remember once my husband said, well, here's the keys. Go find the car and bring it around to, you know, passenger pickup. And I said, do you mind going with him? Because it's a huge airport because I didn't want to be stuck there waiting for two hours. I said, you don't have to say anything to him. You just follow him and see if he can figure out you know how to do it and to get the car in the right place and uh he only made one wrong turn getting to the passenger pickup or whatever but that he located the car and did it all but i wanted my husband to escort him dr cheryl lens.com always a joy to have you on the program thank you so much friend talk to you next week absolutely thanks so much andy take care Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM 670 KLTT.